my turn. So I decided one of my poets that my first poet that I'm gonna do is someone that I mentioned last week. Oh. Um, that saying that I wanted to do her at some point, and I was like, well, why don't I just do her for the next episode? So the poet I'm going to do is I. Oh yeah. Yeah yeah. Amazing. I mentioned her. Yep. So she was born October twenty first, nineteen forty seven, uh, and passed away March tenth, two thousand ten. She was born in Al- Albany, Texas, but grew up in Tuscan, Arizona, and um, with short little. She lived in Los Angeles. T U C, Tucson. T U C S O N. Tucson. <laughs> I was wondering if you were saying Tucson or something. <laughs> it's Tucson. I was saying Tuscan, but it's yeah, no. Tu- That's how you spell Tucson. That's how you spell Tucson. What the fuck? I know. <laughs> Crazy. Arizona man. Words are weird. Um. So that's where she grew up, but she also lived in Los, Ange- Los Angeles, Las Vegas, and San Francisco for a bit with her mother and um, uh, stepfather. She attended the University of Arizona, where she studied English and Oriental Studies with a concentration in Japanese Ooh. and a minor in creative writing. Uh, and it said on um, Wikipedia that it said so with a minor in creative writing, and then they said which she would fully commit to toward the end of her degree. So I'm like, I don't know if that means she changed it to a major or if she just like, yeah, I, no. I don't know exactly what that meant. But she fully committed to her minor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Who knows? <laughs> um, and then these, this is like, I just sort of copy and pasted from Wikipedia because it's a very interesting. Like, I didn't know how to rephrase it just for myself. So donate to Wikipedia. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, but so it, they said. Before starting college, one night during dinner with her mother and third stepfather, I learned her biological father was Japanese. Known as Florence Hayes throughout her childhood and undergrad years, it was not until graduate school when I was going to switch her last name back to Anthony that her mother finally told her more details about her past, learning that she had an affair, her mother had an affair with a Japanese man, Michael Ogawa, after meeting him at a streetcar stop, shop, I think it's shop. Um, Really? Yeah, well, because, so, in the Wikipedia thing, it said streetcar stop, and then on the Poetry Foundation, it said streetcar shop. Stop would make sense, because it's, like, a subway, but it's up above ground. But a streetcar stop could be, like, if you're at, like, a train station or something, and it's got a little, like, food shop or something, and I was wondering. Hmm. I don't know, but. Maybe it was both. A place, yeah, I was going (laughs) to say, either way, I feel like both of those things would, yeah. There was a streetcar involved. Yes. (laughs) Named Desire, perhaps. Oh, boy. Mm. <laughs> I'm but sorry. Anyway. I have to go be anywhere but here. <laughs> uh, so she met this man, um, Michael, and uh, so after learning of the affair, uh, learning of the, the affair had led to I's first stepfather, whose last name was Anthony, to beat her mother until uh, family intervened, oh and she was taken to Texas, where her stepfather eventually followed... Um, where her stepfather eventually followed after I's birth. Because her mother was still legally married to Anthony at the time, his last name was put on I's birth certificate. Oh. Um, and so, uh, even though she was born Florence Anthony, she changed her name to I, which means love in Japanese. And, um, and her biological father was Japanese. Um, and she said that her given name reflects a scandalous affair that her mother had with a Japanese man and, that she met. I guess it did say stop on um, on Poetry Foundation. I don't know why I thought it said stop. So it represents um, this affair that she had with the man uh, that she met at the streetcar stop. And uh, 
she has no wish to be identified for all eternity with a man she never knew. Right. Um, which I think is, it was a little bit confusing from the story that I read on Wikipedia and then the, the way they presented it on, um, uh, on Poetry, Poetry Foundation. Yeah, because, oh. um, Poetry Foundation, because on the Poetry Foundation, they were making it sound like she didn't want to be associated with the man she never knew in terms of, um, the, her biological father. Right, but it's but the her other name, way. yeah, I believe it's the other way around her, her stepfather whose last name was Anthony she's like I don't want to be associated with this man who beat my mother and and like she it sounds like he left her before she was born and that sort of thing yeah so um because she also so I she predominantly goes by I but I also saw somewhere that she goes by I um Ogawa which was her biological father's last name yeah um so that's her sort of backstory and everything and how she um came to have the decided to change her name to what she was known as in her uh, professional career um and then she also it says the poverty i experienced during her childhood affected her and her writing she credits her first writing experience to an assignment in her catholic school um english class to write a letter from the perspective of a martyr two years after that experience uh-huh. she began actively writing at the age of 14 um what and an interesting prompt yeah mm-hmm. i don't know if i could do that without like significant research mm-hmm. or know? maybe they did that was maybe, maybe. that was part I, of I'm the just class saying it's a really like, interesting prompt for like yeah. a high school to be like right yeah in the but i feel like i could understand it as like a catholic high school like I guess so, sort yeah of that's in, true yeah yeah um she then after high school attended the university of california at irvine's um uh no, so she went to University of Arizona, and then she got her MFA at the University of California at Irvine's um, MFA program. She is the author of collections called um, No Surrender, which was, that was post, uh, published post- posthumously. Posthumously. <laughs> posthumously. Posthumously. <laughs> Posthumously. <laughs> is what I, Excellent. Yeah. Um, so that one, uh, another one called Dread. Vice. Ooh, I've heard of Dread. Yeah. Yes. Sorry, wow. continue. <laughs> uh, Vice, which won the National Book Award. Greed, Fate, Sin, which won the American Book Award from Before Columbus Foundation. Uh, and Killing Floor, which was the 1978 Lamont Poetry Selection of the Academy of American Poets. I've heard of that one, too. And Cruelty. She's also received awards from the Guggenheim Foundation, the National Endowment for the Arts, the Bunting Fellowship Program at Radcliffe College, and from various other universities. She was a visiting instructor for Binghamton University, Hay Upstate, Binghamton, nice. um, from the, for the 1973-74 to 74 school year. And then after winning the National Book Award for Vice, she became, became a tenured professor at, and the vice president of the Native American Faculty and Staff Association at the Oklahoma State University and lived in Stillwater, Oklahoma until her death. She Mm. drew a lot from her mixed race heritage. She self-identified as Japanese, Native American, um, a few different tribes, uh, black, and Irish. And so that, along with her strong feminist viewpoint, created uh, a brutal and very direct style. Uh, She provoked, and then Therefore, she sort of provoked controversy and praise for her stark monologues and gruesome first-person accounts of non-normative behavior. Ooh, uh, let's break that down for me. <laughs> like, 
Um, I mean, she just had, so a poem, I'm going to talk about it a little bit, uh, or I'm going to mention it a little bit after I read this one, but like she has, so she writes from the perspective of, um, people who are sort of like marginalized and very just interesting situations. She has one that I came across that, um, is from the viewpoint of a boy who has just murdered his family. Wow. Yeah. And so she just, um, like non-normative behavior, like like things that are sort of it makes me think because I'm such a true crime fan it makes me think of like like that poem poem especially specifically but um that's so interesting so she like she she's not the speaker in a lot of her poems no it's very distinctly um not autobiographical so she just chooses different um and I think I think even though it's not autobiographical I think she because again of the sort of poverty that she grew up in and everything she So draws from those experiences right. to sort of express what those people are maybe going through or thoughts that maybe those people have. Well, it would be hard to find truth if you weren't drawing from something in your life. Yeah. 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 Amazing. So that's, yeah. Wow, that's so interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, the Times Literary Supplement praised her for capturing the cruelty of intimate relationships and the details of perverse spontaneity. For example, the joy a mother gets from beating her child. Oh. Anne Sexton called her all woman, all human. Uh, but Alicia Ostriker, or Ostriker, who's a poet and critic, said, all woman, all human, she's hardly that. She is more like an, uh, a bad dream of Woody Allen's or the inside story of some Swinburnian Dolorsa or the Vagina Dentata itself mm-hmm. starting to talk. I don't know what that means. I'm, I'm not sure about that part either, but... She says, woman, in eyes embodiment, wants sex. She knows about death and can kill animals and people. She is hard as dirt. Her realities, very small ones, are so intolerable that we fashion female myths to express our fear of her. She, however, lives the hard life below our myths. So, um, yeah. That's a criticism, I feel like. I mean, it's a critique of her work. I mean, that's a way, that's a pretty strong way to explain her work, you know? Yeah, I think she's talking about the way that she presents women and sort of the way that she's expressing um, the way that women are, like, the viewpoint that she, that her women in her poems sort of express and what they've had to go through and everything. Um, So the the poem that I'm going to read is called Woman to Man. And it's from her uh, collection called Cruelty, which was published in 1973. It's actually her first collection that was published. Lightning hits the roof, shoves the knife, darkness deep in the walls. They bleed light all over us, and your face, the fan, folds up. So I won't see how afraid to be with me you are. We don't mix, even in bed, where we keep ending up. There's no need to hide it. Your snow... I'm cold. I've got the scars to prove it. But open your mouth. I'll give you a taste of black you won't forget. For a while, I'll let, you, I'll let it make you strong. Make your heart lion. Then I'll take it back. Mm. So I just like that poem because I thought it was a very, it just has a very, especially like the last little chunk of it and where she's saying that like, she has the power to like make him strong, but then she can take it back too. And, right, yeah. uh, and, and even though like he maybe feels ashamed or like they can't mix, like she can just 
the relationship that they have sort of in the dark and everything and she can have control over that situation and everything yeah. so um and so this one yeah when I first read it before I did some research on her I I thought it was from her perspective and then I realized that mm. it's not necessarily first person or her speaking about it but I was like it clearly comes from a viewpoint of potentially a woman who has a similar background or similar viewpoint as right. potentially her um a woman who has been oppressed by men and mm-hmm. is now saying enough yeah that's yeah yeah um, so she used, I used dramatic monologue form, uh, saying that to her first person voice was always the stronger voice when writing and the individuals she characterized were described by Dwayne Ackerson in contemporary women poets as people seeking transformation, a rough sort of salvation through violent acts. Mm. Um, yeah. And the speakers in her poems are struggling individuals, usually women, but occasionally men, isolated by poverty, by small-town life, or life on a remote farm. Mm -hmm. For example, the poem that I was talking about before in her volume called Killing Floor, Mm -hmm. the poem is called The Kid, and it's spoken from the voice of a boy who has murdered his family. Um, And then another collection of hers, Sin, contains more complex monologues that assume actual personas from Joe McCarthy to the Kennedy brothers. So sometimes it's not just a made-up. It's people that, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So, um, the characters tend to speak in a flat, demotic, um, demonic or no, demotic or demotic. It's D E M O T I C. Um, so like the demotic. so, so did so. Uh, let me finish the. Um, Sorry. No, it's okay. Because I, I was confused at first, and I was like, if I finish the sentence, I'll understand more what that means. Um, so they speak in a flat, demotic, um, stripped of nuance or emotion. Yeah, um, yeah. So, yeah, like emoting, but like demoting. Stri- yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, one critic commented, although virtually all the poems present themselves as spoken by a particular character, I makes the makes little attempt to capture individual styles of diction or personal vocabularies. She said, this stripped down diction conveys an underlying almost biblical indignation, not at times without compassion. Um, at human misuses of power and the corruption energies of various human appetites. So I think it's her sort of showing that, like, even though people come from different, like, the, the true humanity at the base of all of us, like, is what is connects us and makes us all the same. Right. So it's like maybe there's these, like, there's these people that she um, writes monologues for that people know, like, she's written from the viewpoint of, like, Elvis Presley and, like, all these people right. that then at the, at the base of things, they're human and whatnot, and will are are the same as this boy who maybe lives in the middle of nowhere Kansas or something on a remote farm right um, yeah that's a really interesting way to unify mm-hmm. especially when you're thinking of like and sort of level the playing field of like right looking at someone. when you're looking at like somebody writing from the viewpoint of, of a poverty ridden mm-hmm. community yeah um, to give them more power, mm-hmm. making them. <laughs> Sorry, I was not expecting that noise. <laughs> you know what I mean, but like to yeah. make them just mm-hmm, to like mm-hmm. level the playing field in right, that way. That's right. a it very gives them a stronger voice because then yeah, yeah level rather than yeah. yeah, um, yeah. And the New York Times said, like the the um, characters or the narrators are male and female, young and old, famous and unsung. Many are profoundly unlikable, some genuinely evil. Mm. They do terrible things. In the, in the words they inhibit, 
inhabits, families are shattered, lovers abandoned, children abused. Um, and so it's, I think it's also her sort of pointing out it's really important to take a look at these things and a look at the human psyche yeah. sort of and why we do certain things to people or why we do certain things to certain people and um and sort of by stripping away some of maybe the um semantics of mm. of uh like people who maybe are higher in power or people who we would think of as like lower or something in society sort of stripping that away and saying no look at this like right this is yeah it's a shame that she's not around in this generation yeah, because i be. feel like her voice would be so empowering mm -hmm. to well maybe not empowering but like it would shed a very distinct it light seems like it's a very critical look at society that could be useful yeah i mm -hmm. and it's so funny i've never heard of her i mean i've heard of her books i've never read yeah. them but like I had never heard of her, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. So she seems like a very teach, interesting person. You know, yeah. like we we should really uh, yeah I introduce that. more of this kind of stuff in right well, schools the, and in yeah. poetry in general should be taught like we teach the fucking Great Gatsby. You know right. what I mean? Like yeah. while that is a wonderful book, mm -hmm. there are more things out right, there. Right. Well, and more than just like one white man's right. version more of than love. just like, like I love him, but more than just like Edgar Allan Poe. Like yeah, we there need are... these other people from these more diverse backgrounds and people who are experiencing more things than just like the white male perspective. Or right. like And I wonder if that's just be if that's because A, we live in a super unfair society that I mean, yes. I mean but, well, but like also because I feel like like the, a lot of the time teachers have to like put their lesson plans in the perspective of like a standardized test or something and those guidelines haven't been revised to to take sure. into account the new writers of the day and like mm. the actual I mean I haven't taken a standardized test in a while but like to to actually yeah, like take into sure, account yeah. where our society is today and mm -hmm. the movements that are taking place yeah, now it's not adapting at the same pace right yeah. and and how how important it would be to show a younger generation work like this mm -hmm. from people who are voiceless now right it's a different perspective or like, or maybe show them because that is their perspective on life, you know, right. show them, show them and people show them who have the same that voice experience or yeah, yeah, somebody who has a voice that sounds like them mm -hmm. or that in, in a situation that they can relate to, even if it's super scary, like a child going through the uh, mm -hmm. killing her family, you know, what yeah. his family, whatever. Like, it's just, it, I feel like that should be so much more mainstream than it is. That's, mm -hmm. It's so frustrating to me that we yeah. don't, that I didn't know about this until today. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It drives me crazy. Like, where, where is the media coverage of all of these moving, like, these, these writers that are uh, right. creating a movement, you mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I get very emotional about this. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, I think it's really cool that you got that stirred up about it and that. I, I mean, for yeah. real, like, it's, it's disheartening to know that we have silenced not only a generation but generations generations <laughs> but like also just a, just a category of, mm -hmm. of voices that yeah somebody and that has we're still deemed not unruly. yeah like, and that we're still not not doing sharing anything about this, it yeah yeah like it's like, still yeah i'm sure that there is some 
heartfelt teacher somewhere in the Midwest talking about but we need more of it. But until then, until that is mainstream, like we need to shout this kind of work from the Mm -hmm. rooftops and make it and and like even even with like Sabrina's work, like talking about these like harder topics like depression and anxiety Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. poverty and and talking about those subjects and making them mainstream, making them an important issue in in our schools today so that we can normalize it so that we can say that like we can then address it address it yes not normal we don't want to normalize it but like we want just to but it's important to speak about it because if you're not talking about it no one's going to do anything about it right well in the case of depression and anxiety to normalize it yes because lots of people go oh yeah but like i mean and poverty yeah we need to talk about it so that then people can like bringing attention to all these things yeah because if if no if everyone's just sort of brushing it under the rug like they have for years and years and years like nothing is going to change right um so be the change you wish to see in the world mm. <laughs> we just little, did a little ding <laughs> like ding <laughs> um but truly <laughs> like cute uh instagrams da, 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 da. yeah yeah the the ultra zoom or whatever it's called <laughs> yeah. super zoom um That's but yeah us. Yes, that's us. Um, well, this is me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's really important. And like we, although we may not have a crazy big platform right now, it's like it's important for people who are doing things and posting them publicly and sharing things to be speaking about it because mm-hmm. those are the people that like when it's shared and people are listening to it and talking about it, it inspires them to do the same thing and, and right. then creates the right. sort of snowball effect. Mm-hmm.